0: email, where you send us your questions, and we give you the closest thing we can possibly get to answers. <laughs> I'm Jeff, and joining me this time is Mr. Kevin Cole. Hello, I am he. And uh, Josh is a sick boy, just like in the last recorded episode, because, spoilers, we record these back-to-back, so he's he's dead.
1: Yeah, he went down onto a planet, and he got one of those Ponfar viruses.
0: <laughs> and he fucked himself to death and
1: he, he's either fucking Rest or murdering peace. just like he always be
0: just worse than usual <laughs> Josh. So, so yeah can't wait for you to be back buddy um the way this podcast works is um a lot of people send us characters and we i read them in a voice and also some questions so oh, okay Let's pop into that question and answer portion Yeah Our first email is from Jack Frazee Hi Jack And uh, it is entitled uh, Oh shit I can't read this one because it's for the Redeem Wesley Pitch It or Ditch It Contest Oh Okay. Uh, Which um, (laughs) you don't know about But is a contest that we're running right now To win a blu-ray box set Of the Star Trek the original series Movies Holy shit that's awesome Hmm? So, um, we don't have a lot of entries into that, and by the time you hear this, it'll be too late, probably. I don't know. I think the 29th is the last, so you will hear this before then, I think. Maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Shit. I wish I knew what time was (laughs) so that I could help you. Actually, the next Wednesday is the 29th, so it will be too late. (laughs) Or the Wednesday this comes up. So, fuck it. Our first email... Is from um, Lieutenant Jason. Hey, Lieutenant Jason. And it's entitled, Ever find cool stuff outside? (laughs) Yeah, man. Hey there, Turek boys. Turek boys. I got to go on an away mission. Cool. We were doing a geological survey on Viridian 3, and I was picked for the away team. I knew minoring in xenogeology at the Academy would come in handy one day. Dope. Anyway, I was climbing on some steep rocky terrain and when I got <laughs> to the top, I saw a kinda odd looking pile of rocks. Okay. Like somebody had stacked them there. Uh weird. Uh-oh. <laughs> something something shiny caught my eye, and when I went to look, it was an old Starfleet badge. Uh-oh. It was in pretty good shape for how old it must have been, so I kept it. There's also a really bad smell in the area, like an animal had died, so I left after that. Rest in peace, Captain Kirk. I probably should have investigated further, but I forgot my tricorder, and I didn't want to tell the commander and get in trouble on my first away mission. (laughs) But at least I got this cool souvenir. Have you guys ever found any neat stuff like that laying on the ground while hiking or something? Anyway, I hope this finds you boys well, and thanks for all the entertainment. Catch you on the flip-a-dip. Lieutenant Jason, junior bilge officer of the USS Wayfarer, and he has included Captain Kirk's... Star Trek Generations combat as an image. <laughs> I I like
1: the I like the light stealth pretend friends reference in there.
0: Oh yeah, what cat, was that? Catch you on the flip a dip. <laughs> oh damn! That... Did he know you were gonna be here? Ooh. Dun dun dun. Burr, burr, burr. This was sent eight days ago, so probably not. <laughs> oh man! Is... Although Josh is also on Pretend Friends, so I'm sure that's fine.
1: Uh, is Lieutenant Jason five years old? Can we shatter his innocence or no? <laughs>
0: um, I'm pretty sure he's an adult, man. Okay, So... Probably
1: still not good to let him know what... What?
0: <laughs> no, we'll keep it a secret that he dug up Captain Kirk's badge from his dead body. We'll keep it a secret. He'll never have to know. Cut all this out when you edit it, Josh. Yeah. Thanks, Don't Josh. leave this in, because you'll definitely make a child cry. Or an adult. One or the other. Yeah. So, have you ever found any interesting stuff while out hiking or walking around?
1: Well, um, I was super into rocks as a kid.
0: Uh, mm, very cool.
1: I I, I have <laughs> boxes upon boxes of rocks because I would just pick up every goddamn rock. Uh, and I can't explain why i did this but even today i still have like a polished piece of uh soda light on my on my table because i just like holding rocks like rocks are cool do i go outside and pick them up anymore no because they be- they belong in the wild they're an important part of the <laughs> ecosystem they need to hunt and <laughs> be <true>. hunted <laughs> he's a geologist Um, but I'm trying to think of cool things I've found outside because I was also a landscaper for a while. And what haven't you
0: done, Kevin?
1: (laughs) For, for all of, for like all of high school and some summers in college, I worked for my mom who owns a landscaping company. Uh, and, Uh, I would, I would do, I would do, I would do like grunt landscaping work, like haul mulch. And, uh, occasionally more than once I would find a cat's eye marble in the tall grass and be like, what, what young rapscallion (laughs) left this here? Did
0: you you found a marble? Did you grow up in 1930s New York by any chance? No, but I worked. I worked
1: (laughs) in Concord, which is like, (laughs) like this could be this could be like some like ancient antique marble that like fucking uh, uh, Paul Revere's kid left in the grass (laughs) or. It could just be
0: an ancient antique marble that some rich drunk asshole threw in the grass. <laughs> it's true. Anytime I would find a marble as a kid, there would be something magical about it. I'd feel like it was a magic item of some sort. I know, right? Marbles are fucking great. They are cool.
1: Have um, you ever seen? Have you ever seen uh, there's a. There are a couple videos online of how marbles are made, and you know what? Sounds sounds boring, but it's I might have to cool. look that
0: up. That sounds pretty fun, actually, dude.
1: dude it's a chill time. Watching the marbles get made.
0: One time when I was a, what, but a wee lad on an adventurous trek through the woods near my house. Oh, no. Are you going to find a dead body? (laughs) Uh, I found Captain Kirk's dead body (laughs) under some rocks. (laughs) No, I, um, I was, I found a Mario. Like, it wasn't an action figure because it was like, like really soft plastic. Like, it was a, like, it was obviously, like, a McDonald's toy or something, and it was a really soft plastic Mario that was just red. It wasn't, like, colored or anything. And it was an old toy somebody had, and it was, like, covered in dirt, and it was the most prized possession I had as a child. Dude. Because I found a Mario in the, the woods. In the wild. That's, yeah. That is a find. That's, like, two rocks. I also... <laughs> it's <laughs> at least five rocks. <laughs> Five really good rocks. I mean, if it was more
1: than one color, I guess I'd pay like four rocks. But. Oh my
0: god! <laughs> I'm trying to barter with this rocksmith over here, rock mongler. Um, the uh, the coolest things I found as a kid is I lived near a creek, and they were like box turtles in the creek all the time, like on the edges. And I would find a box turtle, and I'd bring him home and make a little home for him in a box, because he was a box turtle. Aww. And I would, na- I would name him one of the Ninja Turtles, or Koopa, or Bowser. Aww. And like, I had like 20 or 30 of them, and I would keep them for two or three days, and my mom would make me take them back to the creek. I mean, that's probably them. for the best. <laughs> it is. But I had so many pet turtles for very short periods of time as a child. It's why turtle is still my favorite animal.
1: I I did not want for pets uh, as a kid. I've had chickens in my backyard for as long as I can remember. You eat those? <laughs> I eat the eggs. I don't. You don't eat the chickens. I don't eat the. Chi- I don't
0: eat anything. I know personally. That's a good. <laughs> it's a good way to go about life. I feel. Um, it's a good policy. <laughs> so so
1: like. There, I live by a pond, so there were also there is also quite the turtle population. Oh, um, I love turds. And I, I forgot about uh, the turtles, since as a 30-year-old man, I don't go down to the pond near my house and look for turtles, probably, as much as I should.
0: Wow. If there was a creek near where I lived, you would bet your ass I'd be going down and looking for some turtles.
1: Well, uh, I was riding my motorcycle the other day, and... Uh, oh,
0: just drop that. <laughs> just drop that into the conversation. And I <laughs> My had, motorcycle. <laughs> and I had to
1: put my uh, newly found swerving skills to good use, because the... the this, this little chubby chunky turtle boy was crossing the street in front of me and i'm like no not like this no please please uh, i'm
0: glad you didn't get hurt and also the turtle didn't get hurt oh yeah because um, that turtle was going on his lifelong journey across uh, that road i was like
1: and i pulled over because i'm like i don't want this guy to get fucking smash it's like smashed on the road yeah. um but like he was after like I went by him he was going a good clip and he made it to the other side and I was very happy
0: what a good boy you're a good boy for stopping for that turtle I stop like anytime I even come near an animal where I live there's a lot of bunnies a lot of bunnies live in this area and uh, bunnies don't realize that cars smush them I guess they don't get that so every time I drive uh, up the back lane behind my uh, apartment complex, mm. I always stop every time a bunny gets anywhere near me, and I have to just get out and shoo it away. Go away, bunny! Go away. We
1: have these three goddamn bunny brothers in our in our yard that sleep under the bush, and they're really fucking cute, but uh, adorable. <laughs> but I worry about them because you know they're stupid.
0: They, The yeah, bunnies they're... aren't smart. Um, avid followers of my work will know I'm doing a comic called Inksburg right now. Yeah. and one of the big reasons why the main character is a, a the hair variety is because of all the bunnies around here that I see all the time <laughs> I had to make one I had to make him one in their honor.
1: Oh, on the opposite spectrum from a bunny into the into just straight up terrifying zone is I've been noticing a fuck ton of possums
0: this spring. Possums are your friend. Possums are great. They are scary, though. Yeah, especially when you don't know what it is in the dark, and it's just like two beady, glowing eyes and a hiss. Yeah. Uh,
1: They're everywhere right now, which is great. They eat ticks. I love possums. We need more possums. Be nice to a possum today. But also... They're scary. Also, we have a skunk in our lo- in our. That's scarier to me, right there. Yeah, we call him Pickles, and um, <laughs> I'm not trying to get skunked. One night, one night I came home, Pickles was just sitting on the porch, uh, and I was like, I need to get through, dude.
0: Pickles, please. Pickles, <laughs> so, please. Don't take my house, Pickles. So, I just,
1: rather than confront the skunk like a man, I just went back to my car and took a nap. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you made the correct decision. There's no outcome of confronting a skunk that's going to be good for you.
1: That, that skunk could move up into my room and, like, sit down at my computer and begin coding a video game, and I'd be like, that skunk is
0: me now. This is skunk tale, baby. It's my new game.
1: I guess I'll go live in the woods and throw bad smells at people or whatever skunks to Hey,
0: can. it's a living. That's what you can say every time. It's a living. I did find an unmarked grave. In the woods. Whoa.
1: What? Um,
0: Like, I lived on a hillside, and there was, like, a mountain behind us, and it was just all woods, and I would go up there and swing on vines and pretend to be Spider-Man, and go on adventures just, like, walking around. One time I went, like, really far up on the mountain. Yeah. I got almost to the top, and um, I was just walking around, and I came to a clearing. It was very, like, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past- Mm-hmm. Where there's like sunlight coming through the treetops, and there's a clearing, and the grass was up past my knee there, so I was very kind of wary of walking through there because yeah. maybe there's a snake. Um, but right near the back of it off center, like between two trees, when it gets back to the trees was a gravestone that was so old that the words were gone off of it. Damn. And, uh, I was scared of it cause I was a kid. <laughs> That's so a I kid. like went back home. I was like, mom, there's a gravestone up there. And she's like, yeah, there's like a, there used to be a cemetery up there. <laughs> Like probably like a hundred years ago, there used to be a cemetery up there or something, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I won't go there ever again." Cool. So
1: part part of like the weirdness about my hometown is that uh, it's very haunted, and there's. Do you
0: a- believe it's haunted, Kevin? No,
1: no. I think okay. like I grew up in a I grew up in a town where our high school mascot was the gray ghosts like that's awesome
0: yeah (laughs) your batman's childhood hero was your school mascot that's killer
1: (laughs) yeah so we were the great ghosts and everybody in my fucking high school class fucking loved going ghost hunting and i thought it was the stupidest shit
0: oh yeah it's pretty dumb it's fun though it's a fun pastime i mean i told a ghost story on jeff and josh shoot the shit that i can't explain one time
1: i mean you you and josh are good storytellers when it comes to the supernatural i just find it tedious when it's an activity that i have
0: to show up for I understand that. The thing is, like, I told a good ghost story, but I don't believe it. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really, I'm good at spinning a yarn, but I, at the end of the day, I don't really believe in supernatural stuff. And I mean, there's always that idea that, like, we just don't understand it. I just don't think there's stuff popping out saying boo at people. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure there's stuff in the world we don't understand. I just don't think ghost stories are the one true thing that we don't get. I...
1: Don't know how to like pee. Pee. (laughs) I've, I just need to say it now. I've been doing it in reverse and just drinking out of the thing. (laughs) I've just been holding my wiener out and the pee goes back into it. What is that? (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say, I don't know how to dignify like most people who like super believe in ghosts. Yeah, I
0: feel like an asshole when I people know. are like really into like paranormal stuff, but like, I don't know. I'm not the guy to talk to about it, I guess. Sorry. So, so there's,
1: there's, uh, we did like this fucking ghost tour of, uh, of trespassing one night as teens. Where like we went to this old burned down mansion in the middle of the woods and walked around the uh, basement of it.
0: Do for you a bit. live in a fucking Hollywood movie? Why does that exist?
1: It was just it's in it's in a it's in like one town over. I think it's called. Fucking we,
0: me and my friends, we broke into this place when I was a kid and it was super spooky. It was Dracula's castle and it just existed in our hometown somehow. It yeah. was very
1: scary, dude. There's an Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe monument in my town. He fucking loved it here.
0: He actually lived for a short period of time in St. Albans, West Virginia. Did you know that? Well, his mistress lived in Westford, Massachusetts. <laughs> There's a house in St. Albans, the Poe House, that's just kept the way it was when he died. Because he died there, too, actually. Oh, so. shit. That's double yeah. haunted. It's super Poe
1: haunted, for sure. <laughs> um, and we also went to like this place called the Lollipop Graveyard, where... Oh, spooky. It has all these key-shaped graves. Uh, and apparently it's where a bunch of, bunch of fucking, it's like all kids who died there, like, that's the story. And, uh, you're supposed to run through it and, like, uh, like, you... It's said that the kids will like grab your legs as you uh, from the ground as you run through it. But I ran through like there like fifty goddamn times. I skipped through there. I ran backwards. I was very disrespectful as a teenager to the day. Yeah, these
0: like <laughs> these like dead kids. You're like, wow, rude. I'm not even gonna grab his legs. I He's being very disrespectful. <laughs> they cared. No, they're dead. <laughs> they're dead. Dead people don't care. As long as you're not pissing on the graves, I'm sure you're fine. If
1: a dead child came back to un-unlife
0: uh, and I was around, they'd probably be like, "Hey, cool phone." <laughs> yeah, what is that thing? Oh, it's got all of human knowledge in it. Wow, my fucking time period sucked. They would they'd be like, "Wow, you must be so much happier." And I'd be like, "Hmm." <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm happier than when you guys had polio. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. Wait, like this is nothing. Where do you see vaccines?
0: Yeah, it's too bad about how those are going, but it was really good at the time. <laughs> anyway, we should go to the next email.
1: And sometimes outside, you find a ghost. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Yeah, I haven't found a ghost yet, but one day. Our next email is from Travis Morphy. Morphy. It's spelled that way. M O R P H Y. Morphy. Morphy. It's entitled Godspeed, you Trek Boys. Uh, totally Godspeed. Trek boys. Oh,
1: go. trek boys. What's good, Trek Boys? Trek Boys. Trek Boys. Good, 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 good guts.
0: Do you have it? Trek. Sick. Glad to hear it. We didn't even say anything, Travis. No. I guess you couldn't have known that. No, he's right. He's right. <laughs> that is
1: the response. I'm only about... That is the response to everything we just did.
0: <laughs> I'm only about twenty M class episodes from being caught up, and it's some S class podcasting. See? Better than A class. It's S class. Click, click, boom. Oh my god, what a what a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We had, we, had, we had an O class planet on the last episode we watched together. Oh yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, that they that's the foggy planet that they drive into as a Yeah, O-class like planet.
0: all the classes mean different types of atmospheres and shit. Like M class is the only one that can sustain human life forever. Forever. <laughs> Until we fuck it right up the butt and then not anymore after that so I'm making my way through TNG which is my first foray into Star Trek after the 2009 movie thanks to guidance from Josh and Paul telling me where to start I fell in love as soon as I got to the measure of a man
1: yeah. so anyway
0: here I am <laughs> here I am just getting into season 5 and wow ep- every episode is a banger this show is in crit oh Wesley came back Yeah. <laughs> well nothing is perfect <laughs> Anyways, proud to be funding your little satellite over there. Aww. Give Josh a kiss on the lips for me. I will. Next time I see him, and he's not violently ill. I'll give him a kiss on the lips. Signed, Ensign Travis Morphy, cartographer on board the USS Safety First. That was just a really nice little that email. That was a nice actually. This is very, very nice. I'm glad that um, TNG is treating you well. Measure of a Man is really the point where Star Trek hits its stride.
1: Yeah. Um, my favorite... <laughs> the one that TNG. For, the, the one that did it for me was actually the drumhead, and that's still my favorite episode
0: of Trek ever. Oh, yeah. The drumhead is fucking classic Star Trek. Yeah. Ten out of ten trekking. It's a budget. Is the drumhead before the Measure of a Man? I think it's after. Yeah, I think I think you might be right. Drumhead is a budget
1: ass episode, and it's great.
0: Like the dr- the drumhead is season four. Yeah,
1: and Measure of a Man's two. Isn't yeah, it? Measure
0: of a Man is two. Yeah. So yeah, Measure of a Man is where it hits its stride. Yeah. TNG really fucking gets it, and um, it then drops its stride for several episodes, and then gets it back throughout season two.
1: I mean. <laughs> Yes. That's accurate. Um, uh, That email made me think of something, which is all the times I've hugged Josh Henderson, which I think is about four. And he's a good hugger. That's
0: good. That's good. I'm glad. It's a good, solid hug. Have you ever hugged Josh? I've not hugged Josh. Oh, man. One of these days. One of these days I'm going to hug you, dude. One of these days I'll fucking dive out a window. Nah, it'll be great. (laughs) I'm, uh, like... I was supposed to hug Josh. We were both going to go to Magfest one year, and then um, Continue didn't get invited, so Josh didn't go, and I just went to Magfest with other friends.
1: Magfest is just a,
0: is a pretty wild time. Magfest was super fun. I had a, like the one thing about Magfest that people downplayed and became like where I spent ninety nine percent of my time during Magfest is there's an entire fucking like airplane hangar full of free arcade games yeah dude it's great like i spent 90 percent of my time at magfest in that room just playing arcade games it was the tightest shit ever
1: i love i loved going to all the different concerts like when when i was there i but i bounced around the arcade and like the vendor area because i love seeing everybody's shit and then uh, I just went from concert to concert. And they're, like, little pop-up concerts. It's great. Yeah,
0: I don't know where they're at. Like, that's the thing is, like, I didn't go to a single concert because there were no advertisements anywhere in the hall at all about any concerts. So Yeah,
1: they're just all everywhere. And you kind of have to go on Twitter and see if anyone you know is playing a thing right now. Because, like, I was like, oh, shit, Megaran's across the hall.
0: Yeah, that's... uh. That's Magfest, is what I learned. Is that it's very like ride by the seat of your pants, roughshod. Yeah, like, it's, it'll work if we just throw it all together. It's more festival than convention, definitely. It is super fun though. Like I had a great time. Yeah. Um. So go to Magfest if you can. It's very expensive.
1: Unless it's over now. Sometimes, sometimes I hear on the Twitter that Magfest is over,
0: and that makes Uh-oh. me
1: sad. But really I like I, I still get advertisements for microphone <laughs> no I mean so. like like Culturally, everyone's like, uh, it's, it's too corporate now. <laughs> like, I haven't been in a is couple of years. I don't know. I, I, went to
0: a, I went to a presentation about, like, what MAGFest is and what you can do there, and it was literally two old fat guys <laughs> who mumbled through the whole thing. I really don't think it's that corporate. <laughs> no, it's
1: over. It's over. It's corporate. It's canceled.
0: That's fine. <laughs> um, and those are all the times I've hugged Josh. The best... <laughs> The best way to do Magfest is there is a quality inn or something, like right across the bridge from the Gaylord that costs like a hundred and some dollars less a night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like two hundred and some dollars less a night. And um you just get an Uber in, it costs like six bucks a ride. So
1: Yeah. It's it's pretty impossible to uh it's pretty impossible to not like to get a hotel space these days too. So you probably gonna oh yeah, to...
0: Magfest fills up instantly at the Gaylord, and like all their overflow hotels, yeah, m- max out too. So I just went to like the nearest regular hotel.
1: I think, I think Magfest is what is what Riza is like.
0: I don't know. There's probably, like... I guess I'm, I'm married, so I wasn't doing a whole lot of fucking. Yeah. I was doing, like, zero fucking, as a matter of fact. So, I don't know. You got in- I don't know if it's that much like Riza at all, so... You got invited to the fucking, but you put That's declined. true. I politely declined um, some folks in fursuits who were inviting me to a party, and it turned out to be an orgy. So, <laughs> That's so I was pretty That's glad cool. I didn't go.
1: That's so great. <laughs> I, I got, um, my first time ever getting, like, truly high on marijuana was at MagFest.
0: Um, I feel like that was probably your last time, too, since you called it marijuana. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, fucking easy rider, fucking beatnik dude over
0: here. Beatnik, okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. It was um, our next a fun email. time.
1: I'm yeah, cool. good. I can get high because it's legal.
0: <laughs> Kevin is cool as fuck. He smoked marijuana
1: cigarettes. I ate it in a in a banana bread.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, that's cool. I was warned not to eat a whole brownie if somebody offered it to me, and I was like, "That's pretty good advice for every day." I think. I mean, you can just drink water. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of water, Jeff. Our next <laughs>
1: Jeff, really quick. Yes. There is no penalty. It's not like alcohol. There's no penalty to getting too high.
0: <laughs> I would disagree through experience. No, but, um, no one's ever died from being too Okay, high. so there's the, there's not like that kind of penalty. I'll agree with that shit. But there is a discomfort that I'm not trying to get to.
1: <laughs> I got too high and watched Bright, and that was the worst thing I could have done.
0: Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> getting anything, getting a snack and watching Bright would have been the worst thing you could have done. Um, our next email is from Jokemaster S, aka the King of Japes, aka Spivzy. Spivzy. Spivzy writes. Uh, it is entitled Star Trek jokes, all lowercase. Uh, so oh. I'm ready for it. Oh, okay. oh no. <laughs> Hello, Trek boys. Trek, but boys did you know there aren't any star trek joke books <laughs> took me by surprise i thought for sure there'd be one but nope wow yeah it's okay though because there are hundreds of shitty shitty star trek jokes online oh you know i got to send some all right i'm not changing the spelling or punctuation of any of these from the sites i got them from so heads up Question. I'll I'll do the question set up and you you try and like you try and respond what the answer is cuz I bet you can.
1: Who's there?
0: Um and if you don't answer within like 4 <laughs> seconds, I'll give you like 3 or 4 seconds then I'll I'll say the answer. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. Okay. Question. What did Spock find in Kirk's toilet? Um what? The captain's log. Why did Lieutenant Uhura look so shocked? Why? Because William shat in her. That's, that one's kind of dark. <laughs> <laughs> what did the first officer answer when Picard asks, Why did you let Troy win at poker? Why? Because I rike her. Oh, that's cute. I like that. I don't. I don't like that at all. <laughs> A young man was applying to join Starfleet. Where were you born? asked the recruiting officer. Earth, sir. What part? All of me, sir? (laughs) Ha That's old school. Are these are getting better. I guess technically they are getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Noticing medals on Balak's chest, Kirk asks, Did you win those in combat? Oh no, said Bullock. I don't believe in military service. Did you shrink from did you shrink from battle asked Kirk No shrugged Balak. I've always been this size uh. <laughs> An absolute <laughs> laugh riot signed Spivzy
1: <laughs> That last one wasn't even really Star Trek related
0: No it was just Look Spivzy is the king of japes Kevin I guess <laughs> <laughs> he said it. It's got to be true. I trust him <laughs> implicitly. I feel like I feel like you could make a lot of money by putting together a terrible Star Trek joke book, but CBS would probably sue the shit out of you.
1: <laughs> and maybe, oh
0: well. And
1: and what would you really be contributing? to society if you did
0: make a uh, society would be contributing my money to me. That's what I'm trying to get here, Kevin. Through a podcast? Yeah. So far, um, it's worked. I mean You know, you're right. Yeah. I'm not rich or anything, but You're rich in um Uh-huh. Friends Question mark? Hey, Kevin? <laughs> I got all the one of them I need. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that email, Spivzy. Thanks, Spivzy. That was uh, confusing
1: on many levels.
0: It was um, very painful, really. <laughs> Our next email is from Tapon. Oh, Tapon. And it is entitled An Update. Oh, boy. He writes Ensign Pennington, mm-hmm. Ensign Henderson. Ooh. I will amend that to. Ensign Cole. I'm filling in. Trek Boys. Trek, Trek, Trek Boys. Good evening. I have neglected to correspond with you in this manner for two months. I felt that seeing one another each morning was sufficient, and our occasional lunches together have proven noisy. <laughs> and and if you don't know, folks at home, since Tapon hasn't written in in a while, uh, Josh and I do a morning show aboard Tapon's radio program, or we did for a while. <laughs> <laughs> According to the lore of this show that has lore now. Did
1: okay. you know that? <laughs> I
0: I knew some of it. I forget what I am. I am like do you I You were a Starfleet inspector. Yeah. An ensign. Yes. They sent the lowest ranked inspector they could possibly find Hell to yeah. inspect um Satellite M, and that's why you show up sporadically and do the show with us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> makes sense.
0: And that's why Satellite M stays open because according because you give us a passing grade every time.
1: Hell yeah. Um
0: okay. I guess in this universe you're just as dumb as we are. I'm so gonna, you're like passing. I'm not going to nark out my boys. That's right. <laughs> I felt inclined to inform your audience of upcoming new programming at the USS Tapan's radio program. <laughs> I would like to disclose all the details I have on the project, but my producer, Mo Latinum, suggested that I leave them wanting more. He failed to tell me, however, the appropriate amount of information to relay. So, I will say that very soon something will happen, which will involve me, Tapon, of the Tapons radio program. If it is in your nature to get excited, I recommend you succumb to that primitive state. Is he hyping us right now? <laughs> this has been Tapon of the Tapons radio program aboard the USS Tapons radio program. <laughs> I feel hyped after that email. I, what a what a hype man! Are we getting are we getting a, a
1: standalone Tapan cartoon show? Like- I wish.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a project coming out that Josh and I have kindly lent something to, since I can't tell you what type of thing it is, but <laughs> be excited for the thing that may or may not be happening. Ooh. Um, Secret project. I hear a secret third Trek boy has also provided secret something to this secret project. Is that true? Who can say? Who can say? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Tapon for that very informative email. Thanks, Tapon. A lot of these are shorter than I thought they were going to be. I don't know if that's good or bad. So am I. (laughs) Aw, this one's long, good. Well, I mean, not good, but also good. All right. So our next email is from Captain Desrath of the USS Lollipop. Woo! And he has titled his email, To Serve Vulcans? I find this title disconcerting, and it's attributed to Tuvok, probably. <laughs> Heyo, Trekkum boys! Trekkum and Peckum on the team. and Reckum on their Peckum. <laughs> I recently purchased the official Star Trek cookbook after it was brought to my attention in the Discord by Spivzy. Oh boy, I sure do hope it was Spivzy, because I ain't fact-checking that, and I ain't apologizing if and I'm wrong.
1: Wait, is the official Star Trek cookbook called To Serve Vulcan?
0: I don't think so. Okay. No, I don't think it is. Because that's, um, a,
1: that's a um, Twilight Zone reference.
0: Yeah, To Serve Man. man. I find that title disconcerting. <laughs> um... So the shtick of the book is that it was supposed to have been written by Neelix and contains recipes either attributed to various characters or referenced as characters' favorite meals. Yep. In reality, it was written by Ethan Phillips and William J. Burns, neither of which have anything to do with food, so buckle up. Ethan Phillips plays Neelix, so technically it is written by Neelix. Oh. Uh, Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is uh, up to the listener. The recipes run the gamut from so easy to make, you will probably should have tried harder, (laughs) to where the hell am I going to buy a whole calf skull? It's the serving dish for a Klingon recipe. And all the way up to, you put a fucking recipe for mead in a cookbook? That's pretty cool. I'd love some mead, dude. I want some mead right now.
1: I mean, I'll take cider over mead basically any day of the
0: week's but I, I do like cider a lot, that's true. I'll,
1: I do like a good elderberry mead every now and again.
0: Alongside the in-universe recipes are recipes that were contributed by some of the cast of the various shows. These are my favorites because they provide a very real human touch to an otherwise cornball cash-in. <laughs> the best part about these recipes is that some of them were contributed by the actor, but the actor claims that it's the character's recipe, like Aww. Jerry Ryan's 7 of 9 steamed... Cadre Cab Cadre Cab I don't know or Tim Russ's Tuvok's Quick Red Sauce Primavera Tuvok loves Primavera that's (laughs) adorable it makes me think that the instructions for providing recipes were really vague and confusing There are also really endearing details to some of these recipes, like Leonard Nimoy, including his mother's recipe, who brought it from her village in the Ukraine, which is a small town in western Vulcan. Oh. (laughs) That's so cute. That is adorable. In addition to these recipes, there are little sections throughout the book from the prop masters of the various shows talking about how they made the prop foods and drinks. Okay. Okay. Want to know what any beverage is on the show? The answer is probably some kind of Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that tracks. In in addition to all that, there are a few character bios written from Neelix's perspective that are not very well researched and include gems like Neelix claiming that Worf and Riker were romantic rivals on a few occasions. Were they never? Never. I I guess, no. I mean, like, Worf and Troy date for a while, but, like, Riker's okay with it. Yeah. So I don't know. Huh. And, um, final thoughts. The cookbook doesn't make any goddamn sense, and I love (laughs) it with my whole heart. That's great. There are three recipes for Plomex soup and haggis. (laughs) Listicles, including one about how bad Neelix's cooking is, and a whole bushel of recipes no normal person could ever feasibly make. But the cherry on top is the the inclusion of Data's cat food supplement number two nineteen. Oh that he gives no, to, he so gives good. to Spot. Oh That's so cute. It's time to cook dinner. Signed Captain Desrath of the USS Lollipop E. Uh, make that F.
1: <laughs> I I love that. I hope they have Captain Cisco's uh, chicken popper cash.
0: Oh man, you can actually make cat food supplement number two nineteen. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> you can make Aldebaran whiskey, Alde- Andorian ale. Oh, it's uh, yeah, let's see. How do you make Andorian ale? I wonder what they do for Ractogeno. Hopefully that's he sent a picture of that, but let's hear about Andorian ale Yeah, hit first. me with it. This is a yellowish, nut-like drink that I would concoct by mixing Werner's Ver- or Schweppes ginger ale and giving it a head with just a half teaspoon of milk so that it looks like an egg cream. Ooh. You can also use a lemonade concentrate mixed in lighter-than-usual proportions with club soda or ginger ale instead of the plain water and mixed with a half teaspoon of milk and stirred to give it a head. That's how he makes it look like that. Oh, Don't drink that. Yeah. (laughs) I realized halfway through. He for sure doesn't want you to drink that. That. Yuck. But okay. Yuck. Yeah. But okay. The cover is Neelix standing in front of a big dinner that all of the plates of food on it are photoshopped badly. Oh, no. And he looks so proud. So (laughs) proud. That's perfect. Um... (laughs) I, of course, can't share these pages because, you like, you get super fucking sued off the internet if yeah, you do that.
1: But I think a resourceful Trek fan could find it.
0: Probably so. And I would love to follow some of these recipes. That'd be great. <laughs> so thanks for that email, Ben. That, or Desrath. Everybody knows your name is Ben. I'm sorry. <gasps> Outed. Um, thanks for that email, Desrath. Um, what a, a strange, different look into Star Trek. There's actually a, um, a blog out there, and I wish I remembered the name of it now, where the person who runs the blog goes through Star Trek, like, drinks, foods, and everything, and makes real-life edible versions of them.
1: Oh, yeah. I actually tried to find uh, Captain Sisko's recipe for chicken paprikash once, and I think I stumbled across that blog, and it was really good.
0: And blog is amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, their version of Ractigeno is, like, alcoholic, and it sounds fucking amazing.
1: (laughs) See, I always, like, that was my favorite part of Deep Space Nine was the fact that Cisco liked to cook. And that food was not, like, lavish, like Neelix sort of portrays it, but more just like, yeah, you know, good food, like food you like to eat.
0: Yeah, and he cooks it well, unlike when Riker tries to cook food, and it's apparently terrible. (laughs) Cooking is not a skill that a lot of people have in a future where there's just a a hole in the wall that makes anything you want to eat automatically.
1: And and that's awesome, because that kind of makes cooking for yourself special by comparison. That's true. Compared to a person from the future, I have the superpower, which is I can fucking cook a thing
0: you better than Riker. Can't cook a damn thing. <laughs> gotcha, bitch. <laughs> uh, our next email is um, from Rich Masters, who everybody knows as the peyote king.
1: Wow. He must smoke all the marijuana. <laughs>
0: Ha-ha! <laughs> um, I'm actually going to save Rich's email for last, since it's fairly long, and it's, of course, the peyote we always end up with. yeah. So, our actual next... That's a teaser. Rich is in this episode. Shocking. (laughs) Our next email is, um... Hey, everybody. It's your boy, Jeff, here, interrupting Jeff. Sorry about that, buddy. Don't mean to step on your toes. Uh, I just wanted to hop in here and uh, get ahead of this email because it concerns LGBTQ plus issues, and I may have used some incorrect terminology during it some sort of out-of-date, maybe um, unkind terminology. I'm, I'm very much on the outside looking in, trying to do the right thing, so I wanted to go ahead and put this preamble ahead and say that if I used any terminology that might uh, be hurtful or bother someone, that I'm really sorry about it. Uh, so hop back into the podcast and listen to uh, this ridiculous, long-winded rant about Star Trek Discovery I'm about to go on, And a completely different rant that Kevin is about to go on. And we're going to do them at the same time, so that'll be pretty fun. So, uh, thank you very much. Signed, from nobody. Actually, yeah, it's Haunter slash Ensign Girl. Okay. And it is entitled, Gay. Cool. Howdy, Trek, boys. Haunter slash Ensign Girl here again. Hello. Since you're doing some Pride Month stuff, and there isn't much actual gaiety in Trek unless you count my cannons about Jordy and Data, or Janeway and, and Seven, and or do. Tom and Harry, and we do. or Yar and goddamn everybody, and or do. Jeff and Josh, yep. I was wondering if you could throw in a little discussion about the episode About a Girl from the Orville. I found the episode a little traumatizing as my sensitivity about gender is on record, Captain it was weird to see the family guy guy on the right side of an allegory for corrective surgery for intersex people. I guess you could also throw in some discussion about how the show handles the use of media from our time in contrast with Trek, but I don't know, that's not very pridey. The problem is I haven't seen this episode.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to pull up, like, the Wikipedia description of it.
0: Yeah, um, I agree that it's weird to see the family guy guy get Star Trek so right and, like... In a way that Star Trek itself hasn't on issues about gender. Because, like, that's the big, like, missing piece of the Star Trek puzzle. Of the Star Trek inclusivity and beautiful future for everyone puzzle. Is gender equal like, um, like, intersex people's like... What a fucking... I can't think of words. Is, like there's no representation for lgbtq people in star trek and a lot of those issues aren't covered in the way that every other issue of the day is and the the worst thing about that to me is like discovery got all these brownie points in mainstream media for like oh this is the first openly gay character in star trek and that's great i'm glad that 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 character exists and like he had a husband even which is great Mm. Um, he's, he's not the first openly gay character though because of the stupid movies have Sulu be gay and have a daughter and a husband so that's wrong for one for two it's the problem becomes Star Trek has always pushed the boundaries on the way television and movies and media portray marginalized peoples in the past it's pushed the boundaries in a way that other shows of the time haven't even like TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, uh, Enterprise—probably not so much. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, it's always had this like pushing the the walls back a little bit. Um, Discovery—I've talked about this before—but Discovery doesn't do that. Like, media has portrayed gay people in relationships before. Like, why isn't there a character who is transsexual? Aboard the, aboard the Discovery at this point? Why aren't there characters who are really pushing like these people who haven't been represented into the limelight a little bit more? And beyond that, why isn't Stamets' relationship portrayed in a more positive light? Like, in the new season, he's just constantly fighting with his husband. I don't know. I got problems with Discovery's portrayal of a lot of things. Um...
1: I think it's really hard to do um, interpersonal relationships in Star Trek because the best Trek I think is a workplace sort of setting, and that's not really like it. it always just feels workplace inappropriate. And DS can
0: understand that. Yeah,
1: DS Nine like got close to showing I think a uh, one version of what married life could be like with. Keiko and, uh, O'Brien, but like, they're, they're not exactly like the, the healthiest
0: married people in the entire world, but there's a lot of like avoidance in that relationship.
1: (laughs) They make it work. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think like Star Trek should have like gay characters and, you know, uh, by characters and and like and, and explored like character sexuality and stuff, but do I trust it? To uh, I don't know. Um, and this uh, Orville episode is actually uh, directed by your boy Brandon Braga.
0: Oh no! <laughs> and it was and it wasn't weird. <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, I haven't seen it. Uh, but yeah,
0: I haven't seen it either. I really wish I could touch on this topic from like the the side of the viewpoint that like uh, Haunter is, yeah. since like they've seen. I guess they identified as ensign girl, so mm. maybe I could call them she. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it's
1: only um, it's only the third episode of the first season, so apparently. You don't have um, to go, like, really no. digging.
0: So. Well, the the weird thing about the Orville is, like, I've only seen episodes here and there on TV. I've yeah. never, like, sat down and dove into it. Mm-hmm. The Orville um, does Star Trek better than Star Trek does these days in a lot of ways. But there's this still, like, there's still this, like, Seth MacFarlane, I gotta reference pop culture I gotta, like, do, like, a fart joke. Yeah. it looks I gotta like make a joke about a pee It looks like they're really
1: trying to make this their, um, a, like, uh, measure of a man episode just based on the, um, just based on the synopsis I'm, like, breezing through. Like, mm-hmm. uh, apparently Bordus is from an all-male species or a species that, like, values men above all else. And... Uh, there's a there, I guess his child or something is born as a as a as a female in in. Oh, of the species, I have heard about this episode. which is yeah. really
0: rare. And then he watches. And like they want to, like his people want to give the baby corrective surgery to be a male.
1: Yeah. and I think that's, I think this more taps into like the Gattaca. Like, is it ethical to modify? Uh, like a, a person or a baby, like I think I think that's really more of the questions it's hitting on. It doesn't seem to be super about gender, but again, I haven't seen it. And I'm just trying to like read the first three sentences of this uh, very thorough Wikipedia description. <laughs> yeah, some people go
0: real hard on the descriptions on Wikipedia. Like, I'm I'm just, I guess I don't know. I was like really. I was excited when Discovery was, um, announced, and I was especially excited that they were going to have a gay character. Yeah. Because there's been none in Star Trek history. That's the big blind spot in Star Trek, and, like, anytime you ask any of the people who are behind the scenes why that is, they're very cagey about it. Like, nobody wants to answer because, like, we didn't think it would play to TV in the 90s.
1: Yeah, well, we had, um, we had, uh, uh... Oh shit! Um, we had a lesbian kiss on DS9. It's true.
0: It was. Or we had it was a- there were a. Uh, there was a lot of hoops jumped through. Yeah, we had a girl. To girl make that kiss. less gay, yeah. though, as yeah. well. Like used to be a guy
1: in the yeah. previous
0: life, which they don't really play up the whole like. Uh, transsexual identity of that. A lot of people, like, really grasp onto it, though, which is great that there's something to grasp onto. Yeah,
1: you can find it if you're looking for it, but also, like, uh, it it would be awesome if you had a character with a transsexual
0: identity who wasn't a space alien who had a slug inside of them. (laughs) I mean, that's Star Trek in a way. Like, that gets into the whole idea of, like, whether you believe metaphor is a powerful enough tool to tackle these issues or not. And if there's no sure. metaphor as a tool, then Star Trek doesn't exist.
1: Well, I think I think it, one of the bad parts of Star Trek is the fact that it tends to use aliens as just th- another, so they can talk about stuff without having to really like. That's part of the genius and part of like the blind spot of Star- circus I, f- like you, I you, feel
0: like that's the that's like the. <laughs> a weak point in a way because it's not being used correctly. Like, if Jed Zia said, I used to be a man, but now I'm a woman, like, like, I'm transgendered. Yeah. And this has to, this is, like, a part of my character. Like, you know, she doesn't have to say that. That'd be weird writing. Right. (laughs) But that's just a part of her character and, like, it's mentioned quite often and everyone just accepts it.
1: Yeah. That
0: would be a much better use of that character in that way than just, like, sort of pretending, like, she's not transgender.
1: But like the thing Star Trek is selling is it doesn't matter if, you know, you are Japanese or French or bald or white or black or uh or, or any of these like all of these human issues right now don't matter. And that's what they really yeah. tried to push in uh TNG Absolutely. and in, and in the original series. And I think DS9 kind of like with its like weird like time travels back into the past, and also the alternate reality where uh, Cisco is a writer and he's writing all of DS nine on his like on his like um, insane asylum wall or whatever. Great
0: episode! I love that.
1: I love that. And uh, like it, it's trying to put race and otherness and identity back into Star Trek because, along with uh, cooking. And language, I think identity is another thing that's been beaten out of Star Trek in the interest of telling a more streamlined story. And I don't think that's bad, I but I, think I don't that's think a that's decision. in the interest.
0: I don't think that's in the interest of telling a streamlined story. I feel like that's the that might be the cagey answer that the writers give. Yeah. The the identity politics is beaten out of Star Trek because they can't sell the product if it's in it. Also like they it, they have this idea like especially during the 60s and like the late 80s when TNG was on yeah that if they went too far without like having some sort of a barrier like this is an alien that's our barrier this is an alien and i don't think that's necessarily a bad barrier like the whole idea of star trek is that like we go out into the cosmos and we find ourselves it's just us
1: yeah and i <laughs> I think, um, I, I think we we definitely need representation in Star Trek. But I do also understand that this is you know, a thing made by a white guy for white guys. <laughs> like it's got to drag itself up and out of that. And it, it, it definitely resonated with people, and they're definitely like people of like every variety working on the show at one point or the other. And it'd be nice to, you know, just see, it'd be nice. It's always nice to see yourself in the thing you love. Representation is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I forget what we're talking about because, because I, we were supposed to
0: talk about a, I'll go ahead.
1: In the middle of this, I, I, I skim through an Orville Wikipedia article, so I forget precisely what the uh, point is. We were supposed to be
0: talking about, about a girl from the Orville. We didn't do that. Because, because... neither of us have seen it. <laughs> yes. Like, I actually watched the first two episodes when I sat down to watch the whole series. Yeah. And the second episode ends with the egg with the baby in it hatching, and Bordas and his mate are like, oh my god, no! Okay. And then I didn't watch the next episode, because shit came up, and I just caught other episodes on TV. Okay. So, so I just missed it. I'm really sorry about that. The, um, it is important to point out, though, that we are doing a, um, a Pride Month drive. Oh, awesome. And uh, during uh, the month of July, or June? Shit. I don't know dates. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeff, don't worry about
1: it. You're usually you're you're usually on top of this shit. I'm it's surprised June. you can keep it all straight.
0: It's June. Um during the month of June, we're gonna be doing a Pride Month drive where um every dollar past five hundred that is donated to or that is given to or pledged to us on Patreon, uh Ben Desrath mm is going to be um, matching that and donating all of it to the Trevor Project.
1: Wow, that's
0: awesome. uh, Which is fucking amazing. And it's uh, also important to note that um, you can actually donate an M-Class podcast name yourself, if you'd rather do that, by going to um, give.thetreasureproject.org. The fuck. Give dot the dot org slash USS Lollipop. <laughs> That's great. You hit donate and dedicate the donation to M class podcast so we can keep track of who all's donating and you know, get the name out there for everybody and you know get some money to the Trevor Project.
1: Yeah, I um I I've given to the Trevor Project before and uh it's a fucking good clo it's a good cause, dude.
0: Absolutely. Um, he does have a maximum of $750 for the donation, but he's starting out at $500. That's pretty good. So that's a big donation towards the Trevor Project. And for those who don't know what the Trevor Project is, it is a nonprofit organization committed to preventing suicide and LGBTQ plus youth. They're best known for the Trevor Lifeline Crisis Intervention Hotline that they operate, along with Trevor Chat and Trevor Text which are instant message and text versions of the hotline, but they also do work in training, raising awareness and advocacy relating to the LGBTQ plus youth suicide prevention. So they're a very important organization. Hell yeah. So get involved. Save some lives. Tell everybody about this. Like, this is, of course, like, I hate that it's like, I like and hate at the same time that it's benefiting us, two white straight (laughs) dudes, but... Um, it's just a way to get money rolling towards this. And I mean, you can drop your pledge the next month. It's fine. This is just a, a way to get money to the Trevor project. And yeah. it also, it is, it is a way to get like attention to M class podcast as well. Very self-serving. We're assholes,
1: <laughs> but it's also, but also a good thing is being done. And yeah, that's, that's, Our, uh, that's awesome that you guys are doing that. I, that, I didn't know that's, that's super cool
0: thank you it's not it wasn't our idea it was Desras' idea he came to me with it and it was so fucking cool I was really excited to finally use the teeny tiny little platform that I have to do something good
1: <laughs> hell yeah man
0: um so again you can just donate if you want to during the month of June especially which is uh, that's pride month you can go to give.thetrevorproject.org slash USS lollipop and hit donate um, thank you for that email haunter cool sorry, first name
1: sorry we didn't see the episode and I rambled on about representation and I don't super remember what happened over the last 10 minutes.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I blocked out and went into one of my like I have a set of rants that are just like ready at the waiting and I think I went in to a combination of my Star Trek has been bad with LGBTQ plus. Yeah, and Discovery gets a lot of credit for doing jack shit. Yeah. Like it was both of those combined.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, f- I feel like my eyes rolled rolled back, and I was like, "I am a white man with a platform. Time to talk about something that's very far outside myself." Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, moving on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our next email is from Yakub. Yakub, uh, and it is entitled "Buy the New M Class Podcast Action Figures." Cool. It, be- it's, it begins by saying this is a toy commercial so thanks for that heads up okay. whoa this is Jeff he has a d-replicator. look at that beard wow that's Josh with a tricorder and an ice cream cone look he has a different beard kablammo you can attach as many dicks as you want to them attachable dicks sold separately here's my organic fresh gluten free deep space nine pitch it or ditch it oh. plot A Okay, the station's stabilizing engines break and it starts spinning uncontrollably. Uh-huh. The Rio Grande is thankfully out and about with Jadzia, Dax and Jake on board. Why the fuck would they be on board together?
1: <laughs> Maybe they're, He's reported He's doing a journalism.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's doing a journalism. He's
1: doing a journalism.
0: Whenever he attempt to help fails, Dax contacts Starfleet. The USS Marie Curie arrives, a Crossfield class, but with the saucer removed. It catches the station into its empty ring using an amplified tractor beam. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Plot B Keiko assigned physics homework. Jake just can't get his head around angular acceleration. Oh, okay. Mmm, so I see. That's how. Said the blind man. That's how. I'm writing this from Hospital. Thankfully, I have Trek to watch. I'm on season one of Deep Space Nine and I'm hooked on these characters, especially Odo. Yours hospitalized Ensign Yakub of the USS Nightingale. Get better, Yakub. We, I, like, fun facts for everybody the Discord, the M Class Discord, got together and commissioned me to make a gigantic get well soon Yakub card where he was Captain Poland with a Captain <laughs> America style Captain Poland design
1: oh that's nice and
0: I they all sent me their signatures to sign it it was like fucking beautiful uh huh and uh so Jakub has sent in just a little update I'm out of the hospital and feeling fine yay so it worked uh, I'm gonna pitch your or <laughs> ditch it because um, we could all learn more about angular acceleration.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm interested to see how. Uh, so okay. So the DS DS Nine is now the saucer part of the. Yeah,
0: it's the saucer part of the USS Marie Curie. <sighs> yeah, I'll pitch it. That sounds cool.
1: <laughs> he really thought about that, folks. I'd, I'd be I'd be lying if I if I said I didn't think the whole detachable saucer thing was dope.
0: It's it's cool that your spaceship can turn into two uglier spaceships yeah, if you really I, want to. <laughs> I actually do like that. Thanks for that email, Yakoob, and We're all psyched that you feel better, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, Coob.
0: Captain Poland. Yeah. Our next email is from Jack Carpenter jack carpenter that's like a fucking that that's a dangerous name right there he's a muscle boy too like he plays rugby and whatever other sports i don't know if he even plays rugby he just plays sports i know that damn he plays football cool but the american one
1: that's a cool one
0: and it's entitled what up bros hellos well hey there trek bros a little birdie told me Kevin was going to be on this week. Yay! I hope you survived your motorcycle adventure, Kevin. I, I continue to survive. <laughs> for now. For now. The same little bird also told me that Josh is dead. Rip in <laughs> peace, Josh. I'll pour out some liquor for you.
1: No.
0: Oh, and also, hey, Jeff. Hi, Hi Jeff. Hey. <laughs> Anyways... I wanted to add my two cents to the discussion of the Enterprise episode, Bounty. Oh, okay. I actually like Enterprise. Not nearly as good as TOS, TNG, or Deep Space Nine, but I at least like it better than Voyager. I feel the same way. (laughs) I I feel like...
1: I feel like Voyager is now the most important part of the Star Trek ecosystem as it's just the bedrock that you can be like, well, it's not Voyager.
0: I guess that's probably true. It's like the, the benchmark that all Star Trek is going to be judged against. Yeah. I would rather watch Voyager than the first season of Discovery. I'll put it <laughs> that way. I'd rather watch Voyager than Star Trek 2009 or Into Darkness. <laughs> I would watch Beyond before I watch Voyager, though. Uh, This episode in particular, however, I'm not a fan of. I know there's a scientific reason given to why T'Pol needs to get her fucks on, but the episode just seems like a super forced way to be like, hey everyone, look at this sexy, horny Vulcan babe. Uh, That's because that's what it is. Yeah. I don't know, it just felt way too silly and over the top to me in that regard. I feel like it's kind of an early 2000s TV thing, though. Just felt like an obnoxious excuse to have to Paul get all sexy, etc., and I just thought it was dumb. But hey, that's just me. No, uh, you're It's right. also us. It's,
1: it's <laughs> not just you. It is dumb.
0: It's it's also Josh. He went on record before we um, decided not to record that that part of the episode was really stupid and forced.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we tried to, when we talked about it on the show. We basically tried to skip over it
0: as much yeah, as possible. like I I feel like. That episode feels like I only talked about the A plot because I was just like, all right, it's to, to Paul's horny again, and she wants to fuck anyway. Yeah. Um, as far as the Archer side of the episode, which I guess is the main plot. I'm yeah. just happy and involved a damn Tellarite. That's probably the one race I wish there was more of in Star Trek in general.
1: Hell fucking yeah, Tellarites.
0: I could not agree with that more. Tellarites are one of my favorite races in Star Trek. It's like Vulcans are w- number one, and Tellarites might be number two for where me. Are the Where are the Breen? <laughs> the Breen are fun. They're a fun gag, but I don't know. <laughs> Um dude,
1: I'm always happy when a, when like a breen shows up or is referenced.
0: Oh, uh, you mean Bosch from fucking Star Wars shows up but cold? I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh anyways, that's all I got for today. Thanks for all your hard work and for producing such great content for all of us. We really content. appreciate it. Dude, everybody loves content. Dude, I gotta have that content. Dude. Every morning, I wake up and I'm like fucking intravenous that content right into my pee hole. I don't need even, it.
1: Don't even talk to me before I've had my content.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sign, Commander Jack Carpenter, the USS Virginia. Thanks, Jack Carpenter. Jack, you're a good boy. You're a good one. And our last email is, of course, from Rich Masters. Wow. It is entitled The Six Million Dollar Klingon. <sighs> hey, Double J's. Oh, no, it's JK this time. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's Josh and Kevin. Oh, Jevin's no, wait. Here. It's all Jevin all the time up in here.
1: But just a bunch of Jevons.
0: Lieutenant Worf, mildly effective security officer. A Klingon barely able to avoid polystyrene barrels. Gentle voice. <laughs> we can rebuild him. We have the questionable medical technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic spine. Worf, son of Moog, will have that spine, and twice the dicks he had before. Oh my god. Better dicks, dicks. Stronger dicks. Faster dicks? <laughs> okay. Short intro this time, at least short for me. <laughs> so here's the idea about Rich Master, since you're probably like 900 episodes behind.
1: Hello, yes.
0: Uh, Rich has been sending in a hypothetical Star Trek The Next Generation season 8. Oh Rich is a professional writer and his <laughs> season eight has been fucking immaculate. like there's no jokes. That's why I saved this for last. It is okay. 100% serious Star Trek writing and it's like it came straight out of TNG.
1: No I think I think I've been here for some of it and it is very good.
0: You better have been.
1: Hello. I'm good. I'm, yes. Hi. Kevin.
0: I'm going to beat you up in front of everybody right now. You, you could do it, and I wouldn't blame you. <laughs> no! Don't say that! No. I, 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 I could not you. imagine the fucking backlash that would happen if I said anything negative to you on this podcast, Kevin. That's right. A storm is
1: coming, bitch.
0: <laughs> Just like 900 comments like, can you fucking believe that Jeff guy? He said mean words to Kevin! (laughs) Okay, so I've been trying to write my perfect Picard episode for a long time now and I think I might have it. Okay, Okay, here goes. The Enterprise is being chased by a Jem'Hadar battleship that has ambushed them on patrol at the Cardassian border Mm -hmm. and is in a bad way. Its weapons and shields are down. Lieutenant Hawk tells the captain that another Jemhadar ship has appeared on short-range sensors, and Picard asks engineering if they have enough power for a burst to warp. Geordie says that at this rate, they won't have enough power to eject escape pods. Whoa! Picard tells data to open communications so that they can offer a formal surrender <sighs> when the battleship is suddenly destroyed. When the smoke explosions clear, <laughs> a Jemhadar fighter floats there in space. A hail is received. And the crew are faced with the first Toranima, who requests formal asylum aboard the Enterprise for him and his two crew members. Whoa. Title, The Path Untrodden. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) On the bridge, Security Chief Patrick Daniels, you know, the guy who replaced Worf, apparently, Okay. confirms that Toranima is secure in the brig. Beverly rushes in direct from surgery. The other two, Jem'Hadar, had—they beamed aboard. Are dead. Their injuries too severe. Damn. Picard asks for opinions, and Raker says that he's seen the Jem'Hadar up close before. They're more aggressive than Klingons, more tactical than the Romulans. Geordi and Crusher agree, and LaForge suggests that they leave Toranimo on the nearest moon and warp away. Mm. That's probably against regulations. Geordi. Yeah. Picard is horrified by his crew's responses, telling them that they have to maintain their Federation ideals or what are they fighting for? War, huh? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. He says that whatever the Jem'Hadar are collectively, he cannot dismiss an individual's request for help. That is very, that is super, that is exactly Picard. Fuck yeah, it is. Jean-Luc goes to visit Toranima in the holding cell, who instantly asks about the well-being of his crew and Picard is forced to admit they're dead. Toranima laments that now he is the only one left; that he has failed his first. Picard is unfazed and asks why the soldier is seeking asylum, but all Toranima will say is that he and his men were not like other Jem'Hadar. When Picard says that's not enough, that he can't just accept that as genuine, Toranima admits he will not betray his people nor help the Federation win a war. Challenging that, the captain states that surely, for Jamhadar, leaving the Founders is a betrayal. Standing as straight Damn. as he can, Toranima steps up to the force field and hisses through his teeth. I said my people, not the Founders or the Dominion. Hmm. Picard asks for his word that he will not hurt anyone, and Toranima agrees. At that, Picard asks the security officer to lower the force field and calls the senior staff to the briefing room. I'd like to point out that this episode is very similar to the episode that we covered recently called The Defector about a Romulan soldier who Mm. comes across. It's um, pretty similar so far, actually. Okay. Maybe a callback. They also did a few,
1: like, this is the good Jem'Hadar, or we're cooperating with the Jem'Hadar just this one time.
0: Oh, yeah, there were a few episodes that, like, really pointed out that the Jem'Hadar are people. Yeah. Just, they, they're, like, brainwashed people, but they're people.
1: Yeah, they're too cool to leave alone. Like, they're, like, uh, they're scary, but like, you don't really get how scary they are until you fight beside them. That's true. I love the part there's like a DS nine episode where um uh they're collaborating on a mission together and uh the Gemidar says, uh I'm already dead, I'm going into battle to uh reclaim my life.
0: Oh yeah, they do their <laughs> motto and the the fucking Federation people are like, What? Yeah, and
1: O'Brien and O'Brien's like, I'm very much alive and I intend <laughs> to stay that way. And everyone's like other <laughs> <laughs> ah, cultures
0: fucking are weird. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> O'Brien sometimes gets used as like the almost racist one. Yeah, like he's, he's not... almost racist against Cardassians too. Yeah, the Cardis. <laughs> um, it's like uh, Toranima tells the assembled bridge crew that his ship was sent to destroy the USS Abanax, a Centaur class ship, contained, a captain by a Tellarite captain by the name of Brainem. Ooh, Tellarite. Ooh, hey, I like those. The Gem Hadar attacked the Abanax and chased them into a nebula filled with ionic radiation. This radiation gave his crew a moment of clarity—a reali- a realization that the founders weren't gods and the Gem Hadar could be free. Radiation gave them that. Yeah, our our true friend, radiation. <laughs> okay. This this episode of M Class Email brought to you by the World Radiation Foundation. Ooh, it's not that bad. We swear. Yeah. Bananas have it. We have it. <laughs> they tried to break off their attack and get away, but the Abinacs chased him down and nearly destroyed them, killing the entire crew except for Toranima and the two recently deceased men. Hmm. A quick set of scans in sickbay lets the Crushinator determine that the genetic encoding <laughs> that gives the Founders their hold over the Jem'Hadar has become defective, leading to a more natural Gemhadar than there's ever been. Independent, thoughtful, and free. Picard asks Riker to join him in the ready room after he makes his initial report to Starfleet Command. He tells Riker about his old academy friend, uh, Heathen Brainum. That would be the, the captain, the Tellarite captain. Hmm. When they were on rival debate teams, Brainam <coughs> argued Picard to a standstill on the application of the Prime Directive, leading to a 17-hour stalemate. He also refused to take command of his ship until Starfleet changed the name to Abanax, a Tellarite mortal who argued so well, he convinced his own gods they didn't exist, freeing Teller from religion. <laughs> That's dope. He jokes that for a Tellarite, he's very reasonable. <laughs> Commander Riker asks what it is they're planning to do with First Toranima. And Picard uh, admits that he wants them both to be in agreement, but that he's thinking of giving Toranima limited access to the ship. Will asks his captain to be careful. Picard hasn't seen them in action. The captain asks his first officer what he would do if he were in his shoes, and Will admits that regardless of his personal feelings, the right thing to do is always what Picard has taught him. Let him have access to the ship. Toranima's first visit to Ten Forward, sitting alone at the same table everyone seems to choose when they want to brood. (laughs) The entire room is staring at him, but he goes on looking out the window. Deanna sits next to him and asks the stoic soldier whether he wants anything to eat or drink, to which he refuses. Hmm. Why did he come to Ten Forward, then, Deanna asks. Toranima admits his old self would have said it was to observe his enemy, but now he's not so sure. To observe a friend, perhaps, Deanna suggests? Yeah. Toranima responds by saying Jim Hadar don't have friends to which Troy resp- replies true freedom means having the ability to make that change uh, I'd like to point out a fun fact oh. about Rich Master's writing of these episodes he refers to every character except Picard by their first name 99% of the time <laughs> which I don't feel comfortable with all the time because I don't really know him I'm not friends with him but Rich is so it's okay yeah <laughs> seems unprofessional, but uh, it's fine. They're just off-duty friends, so it's fine. Uh, Toranima goes to see Picard in his quarters and seems shocked that the captain was in bed. He apologizes and goes to leave, but Picard asks him in anyway. Where's this going, Rich? (laughs) Where is this going? (laughs) Toranima needs to ask why Picard decided to help him. With his usual vigor, Picard says that he finds what the Founders had done to his people to be reprehensible. And winning a war would leave a bad taste in his mouth if he couldn't rectify that in some way. Hmm. You would rather lose than see us free? Toranima asks. Or, you would rather lose and see us free? Toranima asks. Not my first choice, Picard admits. Admits. (laughs) But victory over an enslaved race is no victory. Hmm. Toranima's eyes widen. Victory is life, he says. You have it backwards, Picard smiles. Life is not conditional. Life lived free is victory. That's a great line. That's pretty good. Toranima tells Picard he wants a future for his people, free of the Founders, the Vorda, and the Ketracel White. The mm. first part of that is showing them that they can be free. There's a training facility just inside Cardassian Space where Alpha Quadrant Jim Hadar are being bred, where he was an instructor. If those Alpha could see an Elder free of the Founder's control, then maybe, just maybe, they would begin to question their plight before the encoding fully took hold. Or if we could find a sweet basket full of that radiation. Yeah, let's just go scoop that (laughs) shit up in some jars and send some nice fruit baskets over. Picard tells Toranima he'll do whatever he can to help, just before the red alert sounds. Riker calls Picard to the bridge. A Starfleet vessel has just dropped out of warp in the system. It's the Abanax. Oh, shit. Brayman comes aboard the Enterprise and greets Picard like an old drinking buddy. The two (laughs) men talk in Picard's ready room, and Brayman admits he knew exactly who'd been sent to meet when Necheyev gave him the order. The Tellarite has no love for Necheyev, seeing her as a bureaucrat, whereas he sees the two friends as the ones making real hard decisions on the front lines. He levels with Jean-Luc. He's been sent to take Toranima back to Starbase 74. After his hmm. past decision with Hugh, the Borg, Starfleet Brass doesn't trust Picard to make the right choice. Ah, uh, come on. Picard asks his friend for just a bit of time, and Branham says he'll give him until the Avanach's repairs are complete. Despite the fact that it will reduce that time, Picard offers Jordi and Data to help. As Branham thanks his friend and leave... Picard calls Data into his room, and he tells Riker he can't be disturbed until further notice. Geordi, Data, and the Abanax engineers work through the night to repair the systems. Data returns to the Enterprise earlier than the rest, telling Geordi he needs to replicate a part. Okay. In the morning, Brainum arrives aboard onto the Enterprise Bridge and asks Riker where Picard is. They were supposed to meet for breakfast. (gasps) The computer confirms that not only is Picard missing, but Data and Toranima too, as well as a roundabout. Lieutenant Hawk scans the sector, and the runabout fucking my brain dude and the dude, runabout it, it, is detectable on long range sensors heading towards dominion controlled space
1: dude I'm gonna pull up the curtain it's like one thirty in the
0: morning it's, and- this is not even that late for me I got no excuse whatever <laughs> Brainam orders both ships to chase after Picard at maximum warp and the ships yes. completely power down and Geordi realizes Data sabotaged both computer cores whoa Brainum tells Riker he's taking over the Enterprise and that Jean-Luc is now a fugitive fuck aboard the shuttle Picard asks Data to set course at maximum speed to the facility that Toranima had spoke about before Okay. Into victory, into life, adds Toranima. To be continued. Wow. Okay, that was really good. Fuck yeah, it was. It's always a hard pitch with Rich.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, this—that's not even a question. More like, like fucking pitch masters. Am I right? <laughs> I think Picard should. That's. I see what you did there. Now that's a very. Good uh, that's right, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. That's why you get the big podcast. That's right. Um, I think, I think we don't see Picard get in trouble nearly enough, uh, and I like that this action has some very like direct consequences. Oh
0: yeah, I'm big into this. Like Picard going against the top brass when they're full of shit is like my favorite Picard.
1: Yeah, that that fucking rules. Um, and obviously, I love anything involving the Jemadar. Um, so. Yeah, in in Season 8, is the war not, with the Dominion not over?
0: No, Season 8 takes place concurrently with the deep, like one of the middle Deep Space Nine seasons. Because okay. TNG ended right before the Dominion War started. Oh, okay. So it's basically just like, what if they had kept making TNG? Hmm. I like it. Um... He finishes out the email by saying, Yeah, that shit was real. You gotta wait two <laughs> weeks to find out how this ends. Sorry. Damn. Okay, I'll see you both soon and keep your powder dry, my Trekkie bees. Yours lovingly, Rich, on assignment with the Trill Symbiosis Committee. I can't tell if this guy who keeps asking all the female in- initiates if they want a worm inside of them is an official or just plain creepy. <laughs> yes. while I bye, bye, bye thank you rich i feel like rich classes up this show so much i'm blown away like that was i i
1: i just sort of lost myself for a little bit there being like wow i can see it i see the whole episode unfolding out in front of me
0: i will level with all my listeners and kevin and rich um i feel fairly guilty about reading these emails because like he's putting all this work in and I'm just reading it and people are going to my fucking podcast and listening to it? I would say,
1: think of it as
0: a hearty retweet, but in audio form and an endorsement of It is an absolute endorsement. I couldn't, like, I know a lot of writers and uh, because Rich is the one who makes my podcast money, I'm going to go ahead and say he should be the one you hire for everything. (laughs) Also, he's just fucking immaculate as a writer. (laughs) He's working on a book right now that he's like shopping around to publishers. If you're working for a publisher, fucking get in contact with Rich Masters.
1: Yeah. Do it. Do it. That's smart money. What are you doing? You're burning your money every second you're not employing this man.
0: I agree. So that's the end of our emails for tonight. And I feel like... We learned a lot, we grew as people, and we got closer together. I hope so. So now, it's not so weird when I ask you guys, can I crash on your couch? (laughs) Just for a couple weeks. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah, he's just going through a little bit of a time, and in a couple of weeks he'll be off that couch and back out into the world.
0: That's right.
1: You I definitely won't live there for the rest of my life. Do you want him to crash on the street? Is that where you want him to be? Oh, or do you no. want him to be on your couch? Do you want to know where he is, or do you want to not know where he
0: is? I'll just continue crashing at Satellite M, I think. <laughs> we had to quarantine Josh because he has space bubonic plague.
1: Yeah, I see him pounding on the um, on the decon. Is that what they called it in the...
0: Yeah. Wh- wait one second. Josh's need oxygen. Oh, no! Oh, whoops. We did a bad... <laughs> We'll just replicate another Josh. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the first Josh we've lost. <laughs> if you would like to follow M Class on Twitter, you can head on over to at MClassPodcast, or you can shoot us an email to be read on this program, and trust me, we need all the emails we can get. You can send it over to mclassemail at gmail.com, all singular. Kevin, where can fans and folks and friends find you and support you on the internet?
1: Hi, my name is Kevin Cole. I make tweets at real Kevin Cole on Twitter. Um, I also make video games and podcasts. Uh, you can check out my podcast, Pretend Friends. Uh, that the the Twitter for that is uh, pretend at pretend underscore friends. And you can also uh, go to uh, my website and play some of my video games that I've made. And most of them are free. Uh, but one of them costs money, and it's called Hack, and it's very good. And if you want me to have money, you can buy that. And that website is SuperTryStudios.com. That's Kevin, I think.
0: Go, right? go to your Twitter right now and type at Cole. And type Kevin. Figure out a way for us to pledge money to you monthly, Dumbo. What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I'm it's also gonna... important. It's also important to point out that um, Kevin and I do a podcast together.
1: It's a super important to point that.
0: It one. is super fucking fun. It's called Original Characters and on that podcast we pick a different franchise we take turns picking big name franchises small franchises any universes out there we it, pick one and we create characters that are different shades of terrible if you liked me
1: filling in on this email and I, i'm i'm happy if you did but if you but imagine me also reading the emails and also knowing all of the inside jokes. That's yes. what. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what OGOC can offer you. That's right. It is at OGOCpod on both SoundCloud and Twitter. That stands for original, original characters except no substitutes. Don't steal. Do not steal. So check that out. Make sure to buy Kevin's game and force him to get some sort of like Coffee, gold, or fucking Patreon or something going on.
1: Yeah, I'll do, I'll do something.
0: Drip, <laughs> if that ever happens
1: soon. Oh my god, I bet it's gonna happen this year. And then I'll.
0: I bet it was gonna happen last year too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jeff. Yes. Uh,
1: I, 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 I think you should talk about your things.
0: Oh, everybody knows me. I want every episode of this shit. But what about Inksburg? Does everybody know about Inksberg? Probably not. I mean, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to see art by me and, like, good, good goofs. You can follow at underscore Jeff Pennington. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do a webcomic now. It's seven pages deep plus a cover. It yeah. comes out every Tuesday and Friday. It's called Inksberg, and you can find it at inksberg.com And uh, it's noir detective fiction. Starring Looney Tunes-style funny cartoon animals. It's wacky, it's mysterious, it's fun, and um, it takes a lot of time and effort to draw it the way I do because it's all black and white and it's all made to look like old detective movies.
1: And the background details and the character expressions are beautiful and bespoke. This ain't, you're, this ain't Bob and George.
0: This is <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. I'm glad. It's it is the one webcomic I've ever seen online where um there's almost a background in every panel. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that online because people are smarter than me and they realize you don't need to do that. But but life hasn't beaten you down in this particular way yet. <laughs> so Tuesdays and Fridays, head on over to Inksburg.com. That's I-N-K-S-B-U-R-G. And uh, you can follow that comic at Inksburg on Twitter. And uh, if you have even more money that you want to support just me and my projects, This none of this money will be going to M-Class stuff, but it will be going to Inksburg, Future Comics like projects that I might be taking on in the future that I can't tell you about.
1: Yeah. I'm can, a patron. I I I'm a I'm a Jeff patron and an M class patron. He's a double good boy. Don't you want to be a double good boy? I think I think you might.
0: Then <laughs> then head on over to patreon.com slash Jeff Pennington and for as low as a dollar you get behind the scenes blogs, sketches, uh art Like there's a monthly raffle if you are at a certain level where you can get sketches for nothing from me. Mm -hmm. It's um it's pretty much like my art blog right now. Like anytime I have something to say about my art, it's probably gonna go there. So if you're interested in the behind the scenes of my process, how I work, like what I'm into art wise, like if you love Inksberg and you want to see me continue making it and still be able to eat food. Please head over there and become a patron.
1: I hear if you donate $169 a month to Jeff, he will silently send you uh, a video of him eating a cheeseburger and not saying anything.
0: How in the fuck did you find out about the super secret $169 tier? Secret tier. Secret tier. Secret (laughs) tier, guys. I'm not I'm being very ungreedy. I think the highest tier is like 10 bucks or like 15, I forget. But like
1: you can't get a cheeseburger vid for just 10 bucks. No. Though.
0: No, you got to plop down the $169 dues. It's a it's
1: a one t- it's a one-time thing. You're not going to get a cheeseburger vid every month. That's no. insane. That's Dude, too much work.
0: You don't know what's going to happen when you donate 420 bucks though. <laughs> Shit's going to get wild on that shit. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to Kevin Cole for filling in for Josh this week. It's super appreciated. Thank you, everyone,
1: for uh, being nice to me and not totally hating this and sticking around to the end. I have so much fun whenever I'm on the show, and I, I like being here. And I've, I'm, I'm, I'm missing Josh, and I'm just, I think... I think this has been a good episode of M-Class Emails. It's right?
0: all right. It's okay. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's been a good episode. Okay, I do miss I do miss Josh. It's always best when the three of us can be together. I just didn't want to ruin it. You fucking <laughs> made it great. It's a great episode because Kevin's on it. I, I could have just not even been on it, and it would have been great. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, if you weren't on here, I'd just feel like, I'd just be crying. It would just be it'd just be an hour and a half of me crying.
0: here's here's Kevin's new patreon first exclusive post hour and a half of crying audio. You can get that for a dollar. I don't know what I'm doing oh. <laughs> So relatable hashtag relatable content.
1: Oh, maybe I do know what I'm doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you to the patrons who uh, keep this show running. Thank you to the emailers who definitely keep this particular show running. And uh, again, thank you to Kevin. Feel better, Josh. Get better out there, buddy. I love you. Love you too, Josh. And uh, we'll be back in one week with Josh and probably less Kevin with more M-Class goodness. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye.